Amen. Our God is indeed the awesome God. Not one among many, but God all by himself. Greater, higher than all, because God is God. We're thankful to the Lord. Brother Jarvis leading us in the praise and worship of our great God and King. Thank God. The resurrected family mourns the passing of our dearly beloved mother, mother worship, mother of this church, soldier of the Lord, who is with Christ today. Please pray for Sister Elysia Worsham and her family as they mourn the passing of their mother, but they stand in the hope of Christ, our Lord. To be with him is really far better. And I'm not sure far better is enough to even say, because it's better than far better. We will continue our journey through Mark's gospel. We're, we've arrived at verse 10 and 11 for preaching today. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Today I want to preach verse 10 and 11. The parallel, parallel accounts are found in Luke 21, Matthew 26 as well. Mark 14, verses 10 and 11. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him, Jesus, to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. He sought an opportunity to betray him. That's the word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for yet a, another wonderful passage in your holy word. Your word is the absolute truth. It is sufficient, it is authoritative, it is without error, it is not even capable of error, all because it is your word. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray for grace to preach your word. You have to be amazing 
to use someone such as I to preach the infallible truths of your word. I seek that amazing grace this morning. Use your servant, Holy Spirit, feel your servant. I pray that your word would come flowing out of my mouth with absolute authority, with absolute certainty, with absolute assurance, with absolute power. Only you can enable that to happen, Holy Spirit. Granted, I pray, unite our hearts, all who are listening and watching by way of live stream, unite our hearts, protect all of us from the distractions of the flesh, from even the comfortable environment of home. Help us not to relax and listen to you, but may our ears be glued to your word, hanging on it, hearing you preaching to us. Bring your people Draw them to your son. Draw others who are lost to your son. Sanctify and grow in grace. May we know we are in your holy presence right now in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. The conspiracy against Jesus, the conspiracy against Jesus. Mark now returns to the plot that we saw in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 14, where we have the chief priests and the scribes seeking to arrest Jesus by stealth in a crafty way, and they want to kill him. Here in verse 10 and 11, we have the betrayer, the traitor, the inside man who will help them in their plot against Jesus. The plot against Jesus in verses 1 and 2 is, is, is sandwiched, sandwich, there's a sandwich in between, and we call that the extravagant love of Mary for Jesus. She stands in great contrast over against the religious leaders, over against Judas. Jesus is a hated man. He's hated by the religious leaders and he's hated by one of his own followers. A follower who is nothing more than that. He's just a follower. He's not a true disciple. 
He has not been born again. He does not have the Holy Spirit. He has not been saved. He's a pretender hanging around with Jesus and his true disciples. His name is Judas. And although they did not want to try to arrest Jesus during the Passover, Judas gives them the golden opportunity by coming to the chief priests and the scribes. Now they have an opportunity that they cannot pass up. This is a conspiracy. A conspiracy is a secret plan by a group to do something harmful or unlawful to someone else. This is exactly what Judas and the chief priests and the officers of the temple police did. They plotted together to commit a crime against Jesus, the one who knew no sin. I want us to take a look at verses 10 and 11 today. And as we look at verse 10 and 11, I pray that you would examine your heart. And if you are a pretender, I pray that you would repent and turn to Jesus Christ today. I want us to look at verses 10 and 11, all who are truly saved and redeemed and examine your heart as well. And if God exposes some of the Judas attitude in you, the Judas mindset in you, repent and trust in Christ today. We need this message. Join me as we think together about this subject the conspiracy against Jesus. First of all, in verse 10, I want us to see the person in the conspiracy. The person in the conspiracy. Note verse 10 again, beloved. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. I want you to notice three great truths about the person. And the person, of course, is Judas Iscariot. I want you to notice three great truths about this person. First, notice together with me his surprising identity. His surprising identity. He's identified in the text as one of the 12. His name is Judas. It is the Greek rendering of the Old Testament name Judah. Judah was the son of Jacob and the father of the largest and most dominant of all the tribes of Israel. The name has two possible meanings. Jehovah leads or he whom Jehovah praises. This name suggests that his parents... Judah's parents had hope for his future. 
They were probably a deeply religious family who hoped that he would be led by God and that his life would bring praise to the name of the, of the Lord. During biblical times, people didn't just name their children. They named their children, Jews named their children in hope that, 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 that they would become what their name is. So Judas, Jehovah leads. Little did they know their son would only be led by and bring praise to the devil. Judah stands as living proof that having a godly heritage is not enough to save the soul. Having Christian parents cannot guarantee the salvation of the soul. There must be a conscious turning from sin to embrace Jesus Christ by faith. There must be a life-changing, soul-saving encounter with Jesus Christ. Judas was the only member of the 12 disciples from outside Galilee. Iscariot means man of Kerioth, which indicates that he came from that village located 25 miles south of Jerusalem. Though he followed Jesus for selfish and materialistic reasons, he managed to deceive the other disciples to the extent that none of them suspected him of being a hypocrite and a traitor. However, note this, he could not deceive the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus knew the condition condition of Judas's wicked heart from the outset. He even referred to him as a devil in John 66, 64, verse 70 and 71. His identity is surprising, however, to others. It's surprising because Judas was one of the 12. Now, I need you to think with me about what that means. He was one of the 12, meaning he was one of the men that Jesus chose to follow him. I want you to think about how he came, and you can just jot these down, but in Mark 3.13, uh, uh, we, we would see that uh, when, when, when Jesus called Judas, he willingly followed the Lord. In verse 14, think about how he was consecrated. In Mark 3, 14, it reads this way, and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles. That includes Judas, so that they might be with him and, and, and he might send them out to preach. Judas was appointed by Jesus. He gave Judas a charge. That word appointed also has the idea of training. Jesus took the 12 and made them ready for the mission he was about to send them to accomplish. Judas was set apart for a special purpose. 
But not only think about how he came and how he was conse consecrated, but th think, think with me about how he was connected. Because ver verse 14 reads again, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Like the other disciples, Judas was chosen to be with him. Imagine that. He had been with Jesus from the beginning, and thus he had the extraordinary privilege of knowing the Christ as a personal friend. He had heard everything Jesus had to teach about the kingdom and had seen all the miraculous signs that prove the truth of the gospel. He was there when Jesus walked on the water. He was there when Jesus calmed the storm. He was there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He was right there when Jesus opened blinded eyes. But in the end, Judas wickedly decided to betray Jesus at the earliest opportunity. Why is it a surprise? Why is this a surprising identity? The last place one would expect to find a traitor is among the 12. They knew Christ the best. So being one of the 12 only increased the shame of Judas's conduct. The greater the spiritual privilege, the greater the shame and condemnation of one's disobedience. Judas was an unconverted preacher. I just showed you in verse 14, he sent them out to preach. Judas was an unconverted preacher that would have been a preacher who preached the kingdom of God. I literally wish there was somebody else in here with me. <laughs> He's an unconverted preacher. He's an unconverted disciple following Christ. Listen to Psalm 41.9. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. This is the man that Judas was. What a surprising identity. But not only do I want you to see his surprising identity as we think about the person in the conspiracy, but I want you to see his sinful pursuit. His sinful pursuit. For the text reads again in verse number 10, Judas went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. Now watch the text carefully. I love the Bible. It's the most amazing book in the world. Judas initiated the contact and betrayal. The plotters in verse 1 and 2 of verse 14, of chapter 14, the plotters did not contact 
him first. This fact intensifies the guilt of Judas. He was not coerced into betrayal. He volunteered to betray Christ. The word betray means to deliver over or up to the power of someone. It speaks of persons delivered over with evil intent to the power or, or authority of others as to magistrates for trial or condemnation. Judas wanted to hand Jesus over with evil intent. That raises a question that we need to answer. Why? What motivated this sinful pursuit? What's wrong with Judas? Well, please notice the beginning of verse 10. I will argue that the context of this passage tells us what motivated Judas. Verse 10 begins with, then Judas, then Judas, what comes before then? Well, what came before then was Mary's costly sacrifice. I will argue then that greed motivated Judas to betray Jesus. We know from verse 11 that they promised to pay him money. In, in Matthew's account, Matthew tells us that Judas was the one who brought up the whole subject of compensation. For according to Matthew chapter 26, verse 15, here's Judas' question, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? Verse 15 and 16 of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, they paid him 30 pieces of silver, and from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Later, when Judas felt remorse for what he had done, the first thing he did was give the money back, Matthew 27, 3 through 5. If you bring all of this together, it fits uh, uh, very well with what we saw earlier in this passage about Judas. Remember, we interacted with uh, John's gospel in John chapter 12 when uh, uh, Judas objected when Mary of Bethany anointed the feet of Jesus and with the whole pound of sweet perfume. Here's what Judas said. I remind you again, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He complained, John chapter 12, verse 5. John informs us that Judas did not say this, John chapter 12, verse 6. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. The context is screaming, he did it because of greed. So more than anything else, it was the love of money that tempted Judas to his betrayal. 
Jesus had warned Judas and the other disciples about this when he taught the parable of the rich fool. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus told them, take care and be on your guard against all covetedness. But Judas failed to heed the warning to his own destruction. And there are other commentators that look at this and, and they argue that it had to be more than this. I argue that the context screams this is what it was. The passage tells us this is what it was. Others that I have read uh, speculate that it was this or it was that. But the passage tells us it was greed. Many Christians think of the love of money as one of the lesser sins. But see where it leads. When we refuse to be content with our financial situation, whether we happen to be rich or poor, we open the door. We open the door to fatal temptation. Once we decide that we want something more than we already have, we start thinking about ways to get it. The more that desire grows, the more tempted we are to get what we want in ways that do not please God or depend on his providence. I challenge you listening to me. Are you content with what you have or has your mind been playing around with uh, sinful ways to get richer? Are you compromising your integrity for financial gain? Love the reason the Bible reveals that Judas had a profit motive is not to stigmatize him, but to show how ordinary his temptation was. Judas did it for the money, which is exactly the reason why a lot of people do a lot of the wrong things they do. He's depraved, his heart is in bondage to his sinful nature. This may hurt a little bit. Unfortunately, there's more than a little bit of the betrayer in all of us. Watch this, like Judas, we've had the extraordinary spiritual privilege of seeing the person and work of Jesus for ourselves. We have professed our faith in Christ and started to follow him as Judas did. We have heard the preaching of his gospel and we know something of his divine power. Yet even a temptation as simple as the love of money might lead us into a deep betrayal of the Lord we say we worship. Love, heed this warning. The history of Judas, who, although he occupied a privileged position as one of Jesus' 12 apostles, nevertheless betrayed the master. This history of Judas serves as a permanent and powerful warning to every member of the church of Christ 
There is always the terrible possibility that even among us who apparently live in the closest connection with the Lord, there may be those who are inwardly false and are busily engaged in betraying the Lord Jesus Christ. So when are we in danger of betraying our Lord? when we spend more time thinking about what we do not have than praising God for what we do have? When are we in danger of betraying our Lord? When we want him to do something different for us than what he thinks is best? When are we in danger betraying our Lord, when we think we're so strong spiritually that we could never betray him at all? Judas tells us, you can walk closely in close proximity with Jesus and the people of God and still be lost. We see his surprising identity and his sinful pursuit. But notice thirdly about this person, the person in the conspiracy. Notice thirdly his satanic assistance. We'll get help from Luke's gospel here, Luke's account. In chapter 22, verse 3, Luke writes, Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was one of the number of the twelve. Wow. <laughs> His surprising identity. His sinful pursuit. Now we see his satanic assistance. Luke lifts the curtain of concealment to show there was a supernatural dimension to this conflict. There was a conspirator behind the conspiracy. He was the ultimate co-conspirator, Satan himself, God's ancient enemy, the devil, the prince of darkness operated through this unregenerate hypocrite who, like the religious leaders, was nothing more than a child of the devil, John 8, 44. Now walk with me for a moment. Judas was not simply possessed by a demon but by the devil himself. <laughs> Listen to John 13, 27. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. Now someone may say, poor Judas. This was not done against Judas's will. He had the door swinging wide open with an invitation for the devil to come in. The Bible promises that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. John 4, James 4, 7. Don't ever think we're powerless against the schemes of the devil. I'm talking to God's people. Don't, don't ever think that the devil can make us do something against our will. 
The devil wants you to think that we can do nothing to stop him. But God wants us to know that God's power is superior for those who believe can stand against the devil and he will flee. He has to. As long as you exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as long as you do, do that, uh, the devil cannot hurt you or lead you into sin. If Judas had only resisted Satan's temptations by trusting in the promises of God, he never would have become the betrayer. But the more sin unconfessed and unrepented of stays in the heart, the harder it gets. The harder the heart gets. Satan was happy to come into Judas. He thought here's his opportunity. Ever since the beginning of human history, he had been sneaking around creation looking for some opportunity to destroy, to destroy God's plan for blessing uh, his people. First, you remember Satan succeeded at tempting Adam and Eve into sin, Genesis 3. But God, in Genesis 3, promised a terrible curse against him, announcing that he would, he, he, he would, his head would be crushed by uh, the, the woman's son, the coming son, the coming son, Jesus the Christ. So the devil did everything he could to prevent that son from coming because he tempted Cain to kill his brother Abel, but God preserved the holy line through Seth. Then the devil tried to turn people against God, and many people did turn against him and were destroyed, but God preserved the holy line through Noah. Satan tempted Abraham to produce his own son, who was not the son of promise, but God preserved the holy line through Isaac. The people of God ended up in Egypt where Satan tempted Pharaoh to put all of Israel's son to death in the Nile, but God's save the people through Moses. <laughs> the conflict continued, the invisible war between heaven and hell, God and Satan, the children of Israel were taken into captivity, but God preserved a righteous remnant. Eventually the Savior was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. You remember Satan tried to kill him right away tempting Herod to slaughter all the babies born in Bethlehem. That failed. Eventually, Satan took the fight straight to Jesus, Matthew chapter 4. Three times he tempted the Son of God to sin, but Jesus resisted the devil in the wilderness, and the devil fled from him. That failed. Since the very moment he fell, he first rebelled against God, Satan has been working to destroy God's plan for his people. From time to time, his demons attacked Jesus, and Jesus just cast them out in a show of superiority. But now, but now... The opportune time had come. Judas, the betrayer, had joined Satan's conspiracy, and now the devil would not stop until he put Jesus to death. 
So, beloved, this is the person in the conspiracy. We have seen his surprising identity, his sinful pursuit, and his satanic assistance. Look at your heart in light of God's word. And may you ask the same question that the disciples asked when Jesus said, one of you will betray me. May you ask the same question, Lord, is it I? God is merciful to all who come to him in repentance and faith. You see the person in the conflict. Note verse 11. Secondly, the preparation in the conspiracy. The person in the conspiracy, Judas. The preparation in the conspiracy. Verse 11. Notice first, as we think about the preparation in the conspiracy, will you notice the pleasure in the preparation? The Bible says in verse 11 of Mark 14, and when they heard it, they were glad. The context of the arrest plot in verses 1 and 2 suggests that what Judas betrayed to the Jewish leaders was how Jesus could be arrested with stealth while he was separated from the festival crowds. Boy, it was too good to believe. They would have never dared make such a proposal to one of the 12. But I can see those religious leaders saying, look here. Here's one of them volunteering to betray Jesus into our hands. They were glad. That words, don't skip over that word, glad. This means to be in a state of happiness and well-being. It was not just a momentary happiness. They were in a state of happiness. They're rejoicing. They're delighting in the idea of an inside traitor. They rejoice over the plot to kill Jesus. They rejoice over the lies and deception of Judas. They rejoice, watch this, over sin. They took pleasure in sinning against the Lord of glory. May I remind you, sinful men are glad for evil. Sinful men laugh at sin. They do not mourn over it. Sinful people rejoice when, when God's people are hurt. That's a terrible pleasure. That's a twisted soul. This is a hearty handshake uh, all around the table. The bargain is being made. They take pleasure in sin. You need to ask yourself, do I take pleasure in sin? Do I enjoy it? Do I seek to have it fulfilled in a pleasurable way without any, without any mourning over it? 
You see the pleasure in the preparation, but I want you to notice, secondly, the pay in the preparation. Follow me, I'm going somewhere. And when they heard it, they were glad and underscore this and promised to give him money. Now, the parallel accounts leave the impression that this business was handled and transacted very quickly. If you take a combination of Matthew 26, 14, along with Mark 14, 11, and Luke 22, 5, and 6, I believe that we can construct what transpired this way. Judas came and raised the question, what are you willing to give me if I hand them over to you? The chief priest resp responded, we promise to give you 30 pieces of silver as soon as you agree to deliver him into our hands. Judas, I agree. The, the chief priest, after weighing out the money, here are the 30 pieces of silver. Judas takes them and departs. Now watch this. According to Exodus 21, 32, 30 pieces of silver is the price of a slave. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was all Jesus was worth to Judas. He hated Jesus so much that he betrayed him for what amounted to nothing. He hated Jesus so much that he betrayed him for what amounted to nothing. By the way, Judas betrayed Jesus for about $25 in today's money. Mary poured out perfume on him that was worth about 20,000 in today's money. There's a huge difference in the Holy Spirit regenerates the heart and saves. The difference is not in our goodness, the difference is in his grace. About $25. This may hurt a little bit, but people today sell him out for, for even less. Oh, young people, you betray him. You're listening to me. Some of you are listening to me. You betray Jesus for a few moments of pleasure with a boyfriend or girlfriend. People betray him by choosing their way of living over his way of living. Others betray him because their feelings get hurt over this or that, and they betray Jesus very quickly. Some betray him for alcohol, some for drugs, some for sex, or some other worldly pleasure that is even less than the $25. What will you give me? They promised to pay. And may I say this? Sin always promises to pay. It always promises to pay. But the promise comes with baggage that you don't want to try to carry. Sin promises to pay. 
just a few moments of pleasure, promise to pay, then what? It never pays. It's like the person with bad credit taking out more credit knowing they're not going to pay. Always promise to pay. But watch this, you never get paid what it promises. Jesus Christ said the whole world was not worth the value of your soul. What profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? You, you remember I, when I was preaching last week, I said extravagant love of Mary is challenged by people who devalue Christ. Verse 11 argues that point even further. He devalued Christ. 30 pieces of silver? Don't you know who this is? This is the one who stepped out on nothing and said, let there be, and behold, there was. This is the Lord of glory, the son of the living God. This is El Shaddai right here in your presence. 30 pieces of silver. And I say to you today, those who betray Jesus for even a lot less, you don't understand who he is. Thank God for that prayer, hey glory, at Calvary. Lord, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Oh, I better, I better leave that alone. This small amount showed his contempt for the value of Jesus. This may hurt a little bit, resurrected. And all who are listening to me, but the but could it be that the small amount put in the offering plate by many church members, could it be that that small meager amount shows that you do not extreme esteem Christ highly? Giving him your change instead of giving generously and gracious to him Finish it, Pastor, right? Finish it. Yes, we see the preparation in the conspiracy. We see the pleasure in it. They were glad, the pay in it. They promised to give him money, 30 pieces of silver. He thought very little of Christ. But notice the planning, the planning after the preparation. Verse 11, go back to it. And he sought, that's Judas, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. The word sought is present tense. It means he kept on seeking. He was watching Jesus like a hawk. He was waiting for the opportune time to betray Jesus. You remember 
They came, he came with soldiers in the garden and he kissed the Lord of glory with the betraying kiss. He was looking for a time when Jesus was away from the crowds. Wow, he did some careful plotting. That's what sin does. Sin plots against God. What foolishness. That's why sin never makes sense. Sin never makes sense because it plots against the Lord of glory. You go against God, nobody has won yet. Judas is plotting. He's not a victim of circumstances. He is not a victim of circumstances. He's not a pawn dominated by a greater force, the devil. Judas freely chooses evil. He freely chose it to hand Jesus over. He's seeking an opportunity. He left after, after they talked about uh, uh, and planned it out. He left and then he started seeking how he would betray the Lord of glory. Greed will take you further than you intended to go. Have you doing what you never thought you would do? That's how sin is. See, when sin is unrepented of, when sin is unconfessed, it continues to plot to be fulfilled. And we confess our sins. God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Examine your heart. I'm going in, I'm going in. Examine your heart. What are the plans of your heart? And what do they have to do with the Lord of glory? Are they against him or for him? Lastly, I want you to note a point that is argued in the context and spoken of in the Bible as well. You see the planning after the preparation? Lastly, as we think about the conspiracy against Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah we, see the, we see the preparation in the conspiracy. We saw the pleasure, right? In the preparation. We saw the pay in the preparation. We, we saw the planning after the preparation. But note, lastly, the planning before the preparation. Maybe you think, Pastor, where did that point come from? The planning before the preparation? Yeah, I'm talking about the planning before this plot. I'm talking about the planning before Judas was even on the scene. In fact, I'm talking about the planning for this preparation that that, 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 that predates New Testament. <laughs> Please, you can just jot, jot this down. Zechariah 
chapter 11, verse 12 and 13. I could share more, more, but I'll just share this one. Please note that this had been prophesied. Zechariah 11, 12 and 13 reads, Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as, as my wages 30 pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter. The lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. That's Judas. Pastor, what does that have to do with the planning before the preparation? Well, first of all, it shows us that Calvary was not a surprise to God. It was planned and prophesied along long before it occurred. In fact, watch this very carefully. Don't miss this, I'm coming to a close, but do not miss this. The final part of this sandwich structure in verses one through 11, we see the plotting of man, verses one and two. We see the betraying of a false disciple, verse 10 and 11. This shows us two essential truths about Jesus' suffering. It shows us, number one, the freely chosen evil of humanity, the freely chosen evil of humanity, and the overarching providence of God. They're choosing evil, but God is sovereign. It shows us number two, divine grace, divine grace. I don't know if you know how sovereign God really is. Hey, glory. Divine grace uses e even human evil for its saving purpose. Let me say that again. Divine grace uses even human evil for its saving purpose. Judas would be the betrayer. The chief priest would arrest Jesus, accuse Jesus, hand him over to uh, the Romans who would hang Jesus on the cross. But there was something that Satan didn't know. Because at the same time, Satan was conspiring against the Son of God. God was operating the counter conspiracy that would crush the head of, of, of Satan and bring salvation to all God's people. They were conspiring. But God says, you're actually a part of my plan. I'll let you conspire. I'll let you carry out your evil uh, 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 plans and plots. I'll let you carry them out. But you're carrying them out according to my plan. 
I want him on the cross. I want him to be bruised. I'm going to bruise him for their iniquities. I, I, I'm going to crush him and, and, and I'm going to pour out my judgment on him and he's going to pay for all of the sins of all of God's people but that's not how the story will end. Third day morning he'll raise him. You know what Judas reminds me of, of this great truth. And I say to do this to all who are listening to me and watching in these uncertain times. The purpose of God stands sure. No matter what happens, no matter what anybody might do, we can never frustrate the plan of Almighty God. God always, God always, oh my goodness, God always, hallelujah, God always accomplishes what he determines to do. Always. So no matter what the conspiracy is against Jesus, the purpose and plan of God stands sure. Everything else is sinking. Put your trust in Jesus Christ today as Lord and Savior of your life. You might be a pretender. You might be a false disciple. But God has you here, hearing this message, hearing the truth, hearing the gospel. Turn today from your sin and turn to Christ. Trust him by faith. Our Redeemer lives.